Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Phantom Talk, and one of everyone's favorite segments on Phantom Talk, and definitely the best Star Wars podcast you're going to listen to, um, the EU or EU Review, uh, back here with me, Jacob Vance Hardesty, the EIC or the Phantom Correspondence, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Al Manley, better known as the Red Lanyard. Al, you doing all right tonight, man? Hey, that's me, and I'm doing pretty good, Jacob. Good, good. I'm glad. All right, so we're going to talk about a charming little video game tonight. That we are. So this is the second video game that we have covered here for the EU or EU review. Will not be the last. We've already discussed what we're going to do. A couple things for next year, but um, this might be a long one because the last the last time we talked about a Star Wars video game was the longest podcast we've done in this series. Um, which seems weird in hindsight, but you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna let it go. Um, well, well, it makes sense. I mean, input is equal to output, and I and like it usually takes a lot more time to play through a video game than it does to read straight through a book. That is true. That, so. that is true. Um, so yeah, so if this is your first time here with us, if this is the first. Um, episode of the EU or EU review that you were listening to. I want to give you all a couple a couple of heads up about kind of the thing that we're trying to do here. Um, so basically, we just want to talk about all the extra, basically extracurricular Star Wars stuff that goes on in that galaxy far, far away. Whether it's comics, books, um, video games, even talking. I'm assu- I'm assuming eventually we'll talk about some of the action figures or something like that, or trading card games or something. I don't know, but um, that's what we cover here, and we discuss the the merits of basically anything that isn't directly um, part of the main films. Um, and we've had a blast doing these. I hope that if this is your first, I hope that you do go back and listen to some of the other videos or other uh, recordings that we've done. Um, yeah, we've just we've Al. I I've had a blast doing this with you this year. I started thinking. I started thinking back to that. I was like, we've done this for a year almost, and this has been so much fun. And and I can't wait. I already can't wait to not only have our grand finale next month, but also continue on the year two. Um, this has just been so such a fun little segment. Um, but uh, but yeah. <clears throat> so tonight, uh, I do want to preface this with a couple of things. Um. Because, once again, if you are new to this part of the this segment, we are attempting to also be, let's go with kind-hearted Star Wars fans. Um, Star Wars as a community has a, has a natural affinity to be rather toxic with a lot of the, I'm going to say casual fans. Um, no. And yes, I, yes, I'm sticking with that. Because the ones who actually really care about what Star Wars is, they typically try to actually, you know, cultivate a a good environment for Pete for, you know, whether it's people of people of color um, uh, or people of a different gender identity or sexual orientation or just women in general. Um, and we also attempt to cultivate a good kind of standing there as well. Uh, we want to make sure everyone feels welcome. That being said, I want to go ahead and preface that this is probably going to be one of the harsher EU reviews, um, at least with certain aspects of this game. Um, but I, but I also, I want to make sure that it is stated that 
that does not mean that you do not have to like something. Just because we say that we don't like something or we point out small little nitpicks here and there about something, if you love something that is not even just Star Wars related, just fandom related, feel free to continue loving it. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, when we started, when I started replaying this and I started thinking about different things to say, the first person I thought of is this cosplayer I follow on Instagram named Ruthless Night Sister. Um, who cosplays as she's cosplayed as Cal Kestis, she's cosplayed as Marin, she's cosplayed as Trilla. Um, she also does stuff beyond Star Wars, such as Triss and uh, Yennefer from Witcher. Uh, she recently did a really cool Farah cosplay, so please follow her on Instagram if you have a chance. Um, but I know that she loves this game. And so my first thought when I started thinking about different things that I really did not like about this game was, oh man, that's that would be sad if I ever actually met her and we started talking about this. And I, I don't want to just crap on something that someone else loves. And so I do want to preface that, that if you really do enjoy this game and you enjoy aspects of the things that I don't, which I do, there are things I do like about, there are things I don't. Um... But I want to preface that by saying it is okay to still like things that we say we do not like, um, except for Shadows of the Empire. I will I will die on that hill that Shadows <laughs> of the Empire does not need to exist um, at all in the Star Wars uh, lore uh, history at all. Um, so, yeah. But um, enough of that. We are going to jump right into this. Um, Al, what was your... This was your second time playing through this game, correct? Yes, it was. Okay. Would you say you liked it more this time or less this time? Um, what a simple question that I'm going to give a complicated answer to. Perfect. Um, <laughs> um, I will be honest. I, um, I haven't played this game since essentially it came out. Um, I got it um, like... Um, I don't think it was on release day, but it was like within the same month uh, that it came out on PlayStation 4. And I played it when it came out, and then I did not touch that game again until uh, just now when we replayed it for the show. So in the time between, I remembered being really disappointed in the combat and the gameplay. Um, just because I like, I play a lot of character action games. And so like, and like I've played like a ton of really good character action games. So like the standard I have for those, um, is very high. Um, so I re so I recalled being kind of disappointed by the gameplay, uh, but being like kind of intrigued, if not a little bit confused about the story. And so when I went back to it um, recently to replay it for the show, um, I kind of flip-flopped on it um, a bit because I played through it, and by the end of it, I was just like, you know, this gameplay is a lot better and a lot more enjoyable than what I thought it was. Um, however, like I now after re after revisiting it, I could not give just any cares about the story in it at all. If you can even really call it a story. Um, so I, I kind of flip-flopped on it from where um, at least I recalled being when I first experienced the game, uh, which is interesting. Yeah, I um, 
See, for me, I, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I basically had I had a very similar a very similar experience with this. Um, see, game gameplay wise, of course, the game is really kind of broken up um, into basically combat and then traversal. Um, those are really kind of the two main. You don't really do anything else but that. Um, and so there were a lot of people that when this game came out, I remember I was working at. I keep saying a game store. Obviously, everyone knows I work at ga- I worked at GameStop. Um, which, for the record, I still love and lo- really like GameStop. I have no issues with them. So, if they ever hear this, like I have no problems with them. So I don't care to say, yeah, I worked at GameStop when this game came out. Um, but um, when this game came out, the thing that they kept saying when they would do videos about it, when they would talk about it was it was a mix which I know you're gonna love this. It was a mix between Uncharted and what what game was it, Al? And, and Dark Souls. <laughs> yep. Yes it was. <laughs> it's, it's a mix between Uncharted and Dark Souls. That he, he what died does that a even bit. mean? What does that statement even mean, Jacob? <laughs> <laughs> well so so with this I do I do that's like, I that's like me saying, oh, dude, you would really enjoy this game. It's like a mix between like uh, it's like a mix between God of War Ragnarok and Joust, the arcade cabinet. Like that. Doesn't, <laughs> <laughs> what does that even mean? I, I kind of understand where they were coming from with that. Just because I do. Um, because because, yes, with the combat, they it is like you said, it's a character act, acting game. So. I would probably put it. I'd probably put it close to around like the God, the uh, the Dark Souls style, but at the same time, it is very very different because of course you do have force powers and everything, and so I, I, I don't know. I understood where they were coming from with that, um, but I think honestly, I think it does draw a lot more from Uncharted, even even combat wise. I know that sounds weird, but with the with certain. Um, uh, QTEs, quick time events, and everything happening throughout the game. Um, the traversal is basically straight from Uncharted. There's really nothing. There's nothing really new. They're not really, you know, like uh, they're not really reinventing the wheel or anything with this game. Um, but you know, I I don't know. I didn't necessarily mind that comparison. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but I was curious. So so you said you kind of changed your mind a little bit on the combat. So t- talk to me a little bit about the combat in itself. Like what was there something like you didn't like the first time and was and what really kind of changed for you during this this playthrough? We are going to talk about story later, but that's going to take up more time. So I wanted to go ahead and just focus on this first. Uh-huh. Is it? Because I feel like I could talk about the combat way longer than I could talk about the story. Um, well, I've got a little bit of phrase. I, I've got things to say about the story. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I want to go ahead and hear your thoughts on this first. I got you. No, no. Um, yeah. And, like, I just, I, there's a thing, and um, it's wild that I have to qualify this first because, like, I want everybody to know, I, for the vast majority of the game, I honestly really enjoyed the combat in this game. I think it sets a very good foundation for future sequels or spinoff games that use the same kind of engine. I think it sets a great foundation for those games to improve upon. 
Um, um, and even like without those like forward approaching improvements in mind, I think like what they were able to pull off with the combat in this game is still very good. Like the combat by far is is the best mechanical part of this game. Um, I'm going to, having said that, I'm going to criticize it a lot because in that, in that Lord of the Rings is like Jacob and this is thing. It's probably the thing that they know the most about. So they have various kinds of lenses they look at things through when it comes to it and various ways to think about it. Um, character action games are like, are, are my version of that. Um, I've played like so many of them over the years. I've sunk just like probably close to thousands of hours of my life into character action games that like that's just the thing that i like to analyze and kind of pick my way through and stuff so so by the end of this it's probably going to sound like i really hated the combat in this game and i did not i really <laughs> i really enjoyed it i just want to clarify that um but if you enjoy something then that means you're constantly trying to analyze it and appreciate everything about it and that's include and that includes the pros and the cons of it um so all that being said, the reason why I kind of balked at the comparison of being like, it's like a mixture of Dark Souls and Uncharted. Um, I understand the Uncharted parallels a whole lot more because like, I think you're right, the exploration and the traversal um, are very um, comparable. Um, and like, on the story in this game is about as good as the story in Uncharted. But um but the combat and action parallel to Dark Souls is where that oozes me entirely. Because what happened there for a while, we've kind of gotten away from it, which I think is a good thing. But what kind of happened there for a while is from like 2012 up to like 2018, 2019, around the time this um, game came out. Um, the industry and... Um, um, and players in general got into the mindset, like um, they kind of bought into this idea that Dark Souls was the first ever game to feature a dodge or a parry. Um, because every time someone compares a game to Dark Souls, I ask them to expound upon that. And that's always the key mechanics that they come back to. Is that well? There's a dodge roll that you, there's a dodge roll or just a dodge option you can use, and then there is a a defensive like block and parry mechanic that you can use. Um, and like I understand that those are mechanics in Dark Souls, but when I think about combat in those games, and then I try to compare it to the combat in something like Jedi Fallen Order. Like, I'm at a loss because, like, there aren't any, like, combat skill trees <laughs> in Dark Souls. Like, there aren't sure. any, like, um, combos that you build yourself up to in 
Dark Souls. Uh, there are like some to a certain extent you get a little bit into that in Bloodborne, but like even then, I wouldn't call those uh, combos as much as it is um, like the frames in between uh, uh, transitioning the, uh, on the form of your axe or your cleaver or what have you. Um, so like that's why I get kind of at a loss when I hear people uh, describe this game as like it's like Dark Souls but Star Wars. Uh, because it really isn't. Um, you are rewarded in this game for being very, very aggressive. Um, um, at least that's what I came away with it from. Um, in fact, if there was one FromSoft game I would kind of compare this to, I, I'd compare it way more to Hecaro, which was actually a game that came out the same year that this one did. Um, um, because um, it's um, you get rewarded for being very aggressive because there are stamina bars on enemies that you can um, break their guard with. Um, um, the uh, the block and parry in this game, um, like after you take the time to invest in it and really get the timing down, um, that opens up combat like hugely, uh, just as it does in Sekiro. Like if you can't get uh, the parry timing down in Sekiro, you just aren't going to beat that game. And, like, you have a few more options um, in this game uh, um, than that, but, like, still, that combat feels way better and opens itself up a whole lot more if you can get down the parry timing. Um, um, and then if you can get down the perfect dodge as well, then that really um, kind of opens it up and gives it um, a really good flow to the combat. Um, but, um, yeah, the this game does a whole lot of really cool things um, in terms of the combat. Um, I think it does it does a very fair attempt at trying to balance um, force powers um, in combat scenarios. Um, the only kind of complaint I have with that is that I think once you start investing in like the strength of your force powers and start getting some of those force upgrades um then you start feeling like very very overpowered um i think i told you jacob when we were i'm talking a bit about this a few days ago that like um the black stormtroopers the purge um troopers are really cool enemy types and i kind of wish we um how to fight them a lot more than what we did um, because it really added a cool challenge. But um, on the Purge Troopers, after I figured out, oh, I can use like slow on them, hit them, then parry their attack, then slow them again, um, those fights like got very easy to the point of like not being that entertaining anymore. So <laughs> as I got through the game and started investing in force powers more, I kind of find myself, um, I kind of found myself like, kind of challenging myself to like not use them in combat um, because they were so strong and focusing more on like I'm getting the parry timing down on, on new enemy types and stuff like that. Um, so, and like, and that's an issue that like, I really don't know if it has like an easy solution or answer to uh, because you definitely, uh, with the character action game, you want players to feel like you are growing in power as you like invest your resources and upgrade stuff um but like i'm not 
sure, I don't have a concrete example of how I would like uh, kind of tone that down as far as the force powers go. So that's uh, just something that uh, game developers who know a whole lot more about that stuff than I do. Um, I might trust them to figure out a good um, kind of solution of that. Uh, now, the main thing with the combat uh, that I really enjoyed and I'm really excited to see expanded upon um, in future games is like the options you have with your lightsaber uh, because like you are a Jedi and that's kind of that was probably the main draw for a lot of people with this game uh, when it was being advertised. Is that like just ooh, I want to be a Jedi and like have a lightsaber and do cool stuff with my lightsaber. Um and so I love the fact that as you progress through the game, you have your lightsaber as it is, and then you have the option to upgrade it to having um a blade on the other end, a Darth Maul-esque um type of approach. And you can switch between those modes like really effortlessly. It's just like a, a press of the arrow, just one way to go to double bladed and going back to single bladed. That was really cool. Um, I thought that was handled super, super well. Um, and the game even helps you out a bit and just says, hey, if you use like um, the mode that has um, the two blades um, on the blade on either end, then like that can help with crowd control. Um, and that's very true. Like that just like cleans up like crowds of enemies like super fast because it does mm. like a whole bunch of stamina and guard damage. Um, and then it opens up people a whole lot. So I thought that was done really, really well. And then, of course, um, towards the end of the game, you get the option to kind of split your lightsaber into two lightsabers and do like a special combo with that. Um, that was awesome. Um, the main complaint I have about um, the lightsaber stuff, uh, because honestly, it feels really good to use. It's got a majority of the moves you expect a character action game that uses a sword to have. Um, it has like the thrust combo. It has um, the uh, a quick combo. It has like the holding for like a more powerful strike uh, move. Um, it's got all that good stuff. I wish that the combos were a little more intentional um, than what they were because um, a lot of the times it came down to just kind of like hitting square and then occasionally hitting triangle when you wanted a stronger attack or if yeah. you wanted the thing where like you zoomed towards an enemy uh, on fast first strike. Um, um, because the combos themselves, I liked what was there, but it did feel very shallow in a lot of ways i feel like they could have done a whole lot more and <laughs> um, um i'm completely fine with giving them the excuse of just like this was a brand new game this is a brand new thing that they're trying to do and build um mm. which again is why i'm so excited to s see what they do with on um, their next game uh, because it was like a very solid kind of basis for all the things you could do with the lightsaber already laid down so I'm really excited to see how they expand that. Hopefully they get a bit more into like um, a more traditional character action kind of mode of being a bit more intentional, a bit more expansive with um, your combos. Um, um, I'm thinking a lot more in terms of like Hevel, A Cry, or like um, the in Edo games uh, where you can um, just kind of 
um, have a lot more options as far as what you can do. Mm. Uh, my, uh, my big, huge dream boat pie in the sky hope uh, is that like eventually they could kind of expand it into kind of like a God hand thing uh, where you can choose moves in a, to like chain together in a sequential order and almost like kind of build and create your own style of combat. I think that'd be really, really awesome. Uh, however, I know that isn't the easiest thing to do. That's kind of why God Hand is is so cool and unique, and why we haven't really had a game um, that does anything like that since. Um, but overall, yeah, um, I thought the combat was really good. It did a good job of helping you feel like a Jedi, so you had a... Um, so, like, you felt like you always had an advantage on, like, the, just the basic enemies that you were fighting. As far as, like, the stormtroopers and smaller enemies and things like that. And it gave you a good sense of you were actually progressing and getting stronger as you went on and, like, you invested your skill points and stuff like that. Um, possibly a little too strong um, in some ways, but... Still, um, it's one of those things where you almost would rather have it be um, a little bit too much than to not feel like the investments are paying off. Um, and um, the last thing I will say about the combat um, is that the combat shines the best in, in two cases. One is when you're doing the boss fights. I think the boss fights in this game are like easily the best parts of the game. Um, and then the second case is, and it's unfortunate because it really only happens once. Um, it really only happens on um, Ilum um, after you get the upgrade to have the two lightsabers. But when the game is just like, screw it, the Empire is going to throw everything they have at you. And you just have to deal with like waves and waves and waves of enemies. Yeah. Um, that sequence after you upgrade on your lightsaber and basically repair the lightsaber you had, um, that sequence of the game for me was the best part of the game because it finally just like it finally embraced its um, identity as a character action game. It was just like, hey man, we're just going to give you a series of rooms, and these rooms are going to be chock full of enemies. And you can just, like, fight these enemies however you want to with all of your upgrades. Um, that part was awesome, and it was... I'm kind of sad we don't really uh, get a whole lot of that uh, throughout the game. Mm. But, um, um, but, yeah, I've talked and ranted about character action games enough. Um, <laughs> Jacob, how did you like the combat in this game? No, no, you, dude, you you are good. That, that's That's... That's see, because you are right. You were correct in your opening statement when you were like, you know, this is your bread and butter. This is the this is what you know, and so that's why I wanted, I wanted you to discuss that, you know, early on. Um, no, I uh, I like the combat a lot more than I thought I than I thought I would, or really than I remembered liking it. Um, if I'm being completely honest, um, I do agree with you that you. I liked how they the the pacing of the power level did seem really really cool to me. 
until you, you're you're not wrong. Once you once you once you get past Ilum, just nothing can really stop you. Um, uh, the the only two times I really struggled after that was in the uh, was in Ter and then the fight with Terran Malikos, and then the fight with Trilla. Um, but like any any kind of base of enemy that, that like though the right before I took on Terran, the two bounty hunters come out of nowhere and I'm like, well, th- well these guys are done. Um, <laughs> you know? And so, so no, I, I do kind of agree with you that you, once you get there, you're like, man, you're, you're pretty, you're pretty powerful. But at the same time, that is like right towards the end of the game. So it's not, it wasn't a deal breaker for me. Um, but but I do agree with you that that uh, I, I liked the pacing of it because because there are so many segments early on where you're like at least for me because I, I that that's the other thing is when you said you were like yeah I only died like twice when I played the game I was like well crap I, th- I thought it was better at, so- at video games than this but then like you said character action games are literally what you do so i mean you know i i don't feel quite as bad at how many times i died to random <laughs> random just getting way overwhelmed by by crap by not doing crowd control attacks well enough you know and different things like that um but uh another thing i do i definitely wanted to to make a statement on i 100 agree with you that purge troopers absolutely need to be featured more in the new game um, because there, I don't know, man, there's something to me about the fact, like, I really like the idea of having different, like, squads and different, like, specialists mm-hmm. within the, within the, within, like, the Imperial Army. Mm-hmm. So I like the fact that, I mean, Andor talks, so Andor talks a little bit about this. I'm not trying to spoil anything, but I like the fact that, like, Stormtroopers are technically, like, a step up. Like I, I know we we look at them in uh, we look at them in you know the original trilogy and it's they're all cannon fodder, um, because you know it's Luke Han and Leia and Chewbacca so I mean you know of course they're gonna be cannon fodder but you know stormtroopers are kind of a step up as opposed to like some of like the really kind of base imperial militia, um, but even beyond that you have like the dark troopers from Rogue One which are really cool looking you have which. Which really kind of surprised me didn't see any of them in this. Um, you have purge troopers, which are apparently specially trained stormtroopers that are designed to assist the Inquisitors in taking down Jedi. Which that's pretty cool. Everything everything about that sentence was awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, cool. Um, I've always thought scout troopers had a really cool looking design, just because the helmet looks so different. Like that's. That aspect right there, that's what I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more of in the – with – I fought way too many animals in this game as opposed <laughs> to fighting to fighting more stormtroopers in different different parts of the, of the Empire. Um, I know obviously there are going to be points where they're like, no, you've got to – got to take down, you know, these weird little – you know, poisonous bug creatures on Kashyyyk or, or something like that, you know, or the, the little expo- exploding little fireflies or whatever. Like, I don't mind doing a little bit of that, but man, it was just, it got really annoying after a while. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to level with you on that. The I died way more to the different species that were attacking me. And then versus the the empire was nothing, just but the, but the galaxy's trying to kill you. That's kind of where I was at in this game. Um, 
there was a point when um, it's the second time you go to Kashyyyk, um, where I was going through and I was like um, trying. I get I get lost a lot on Kashyyyk. Yeah, and so <laughs> and so I was going through trying to find my way back to like the story stuff because there had been some like. Uh, block paths that like I wanted to go back to after mm. I'd gotten uh, some new powers. And there was a point when I was doing all this untraversal um, through Kashyyyk that I um, um, I got attacked by a giant spider again, mm-hmm. and I audibly sighed because I was so tired of fighting <laughs> spiders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, like that's that's kind of my thing. Is that that's that's one thing I would I would. I would maybe do less of that in the next one, but also <laughs> there's something there's something to be said, and I know this this is going to come up more in the story aspect. I think a little bit, but there's something about the fact of like how much Cal kind of talks to himself about connecting with like the flora and the fauna of each planet. Meanwhile, he is eradicating like the <laughs> the entire like existence of every I can't remember what they're called, but like the the Kahik spiders. The the apparent these apparent like ram slugs that have acid breath or something. I don't like he is taking down a lot of animals in this game. <laughs> if yeah. we're going to also talk about how Jedi are peacekeepers and they're trying to like coex coexist within the galaxy with everything. But you know, that's I get it, it's an action game. You you're gonna you're gonna do stuff like that, but I don't know. I, I I feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity to have, I don't know, some kind of mechanic where you can try to like, I don't know, get a mind trick like one of the spiders into like fighting the Imperials or something like that. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, it would be uh, cool. You know, I mean, I mean, okay, okay. Here's the thing. You say you audibly sighed whenever you know you saw another spider, but would you audibly sigh if you could like ride that spider against an ATST, like? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't sigh if that was if that was an option. Um, <laughs> I think the sigh would turn way more into a moan. <laughs> <laughs> um, goodness. Um, all right, so so we talked a little bit, little bit about the combat. I want I want to stick with gameplay for for right now. Um, actually, but before we move on to the next thing, though, because you did you mentioned the boss fights, which I completely agree with you. The boss fights. Pretty much any time there was a bar uh, of health somewhere um, for an enemy, it was not really going to be a bad situation. Like I, every boss fight, I thought I thought was entertaining. Uh, right. Uh, what? Which one was your was your favorite in your opinion? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, the um. Um, oh my god, what is his name? The, um, the Dark Jedi. Um, Terran Malakos. And yeah, I thank agree. you very much. Oh my I god. I agree, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's a, he's a great fight. Um, yeah. like, um, I do have, like, my imitations on, like, how good I think this game really is. But, like, his boss fight is one of the better fights I've I've done mm-hmm. um, in games in, like, a long time. Um, that fight's awesome. Um, because, like, it's so cool because it... 
it feels like a very fresh challenge mm-hmm. uh, because up to that point you fought um, the ninth sister and then you had like kind of a small fight uh, with um, the second sister as well up to that point it wasn't the real one but um but um he feels so so fresh and unique um compared to those prior fights but then a lot of his moves are very similar to um to on um, the last fight you do in the game um against the second sister and mm-hmm. so like it uh while g- giving you a new challenge it also is is kind of training you to on like how how to fight um those particular moves and mechanics at the same time like for example there's a part where like he throws his lightsaber at you and if you parry the lightsaber and parry it again it goes back to him like really fast and like it does damage on his health bar um and so I thought that was just a really cool idea in general. And then when, uh, by the time you get to the last fight uh, with Trilla, um, she does the same thing. And so like, and so you already like have that learned in your mind of just like, oh, if I like, if I can get my timing down, then that's a good way to get like some free damage on her. And so like, um, it's those kind of things. Like when it comes to boss fights in these kinds of games, like, you want a boss fight that has some challenge to it that forces you to use the skills you already have to take on a new challenge, but also if it can teach you something else about the game at the same time, um, then that's like um, I'm an even better use of the fight. So uh, yeah, so that was a really really great fight in that game. Yeah, I <clears throat> I completely agree with you because I think the the last it's. <laughs> One of the reasons that one of the reasons one of the reasons this game annoys me in certain ways is that it hits its stride in probably the last I would say two to three hours of the game because um, I would say from Ilum on it is just it, everything about it is is really cool at least to me like even even storyline and character wise um, which, which once again we're gonna get to um, everything about that game everything about the game really does just works um and i know that specifically because once we got to once i got to ilum on this playthrough um like i had just left uh dathomir where where we had the 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 spooky cave um it's a very spooky cave it is a very it is a very spooky scene um where (laughs) once we left that um i stopped playing for the night and then the next day I was like, I'm just going to go straight through. And sure enough, you know, for about the next like two to three hours, I was actually really enjoying myself. I was really enjoying the game. And, and it was one of those things where it didn't feel as much of a, I wasn't doing this for the podcast. I was doing this because I actually wanted to finish this game and actually really liked that last part. Um, the problem is, is that you have to get through everything else to get there. Um, <laughs> But but that but those last like that last like three hours is really really good and you're right because the the Malikos fight does really kind of train you for Trilla because um, 
I mean, the last fight with her, one of the coolest things, because you're right, when he throws the lightsaber and you have to dodge it, it always happens after she flashbangs you. And so, or whatever the Star Wars equivalent is, I'm not sure. Um, And whenever she throws that, you can't really see. You just have to time it. And there was a point where I was like, oh my god, I'm literally doing, I'm I'm like Luke when he's learning uh, with the blast shield down. That's that's what it felt like, because I couldn't see. I had to time it. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just a really, moments like that, like, like, that was the moment that I was like, "Yeah, this is great. This is this is everything I wanted from this game." But it, the, the the biggest issue, of course, is that that happens literally right at the end. Um, but that just but who knows? That just means that maybe the second game is just going to take off right from the get go, just like that. And it's going to be really good. Um, <clears throat> so I do want to talk about the traversal of the game. Um, but I wanted to give a little bit of backstory just real quick. Cause Al, I, how much do you know about the development of this game? Um, I don't know a whole lot. No. Okay. So, there, so there's, there's a little bit. <clears throat> so for those of you who do not know, um, cause we haven't really discussed this part, um, on any of our podcasts too much. Uh, but if you ever talk to Al for about video games for longer than five minutes, eventually he'll say it. Um, EA is one of the worst companies in the world of entertainment, just in general. Um, they they screw up a lot. Um, they they get their hand they, as a developer. Uh, they get their hands involved, uh, or excuse me, a publisher. They get their hands involved where developers need to just be doing things and making good games, and the publisher does all the background stuff with the marketing. Um, but EA is like, no, no, you need to do it this way. Um, and what happens here is a really good example of that. So in 2012, as we have discussed, Disney buys out, uh, Star Wars and EA gets the license from Disney to do star, every Star Wars game. So that's how you get the, the two EA battlefronts to varying degrees of success, depending on who you ask and depending on what aspect of that you look at. Um, that's why you get Jedi Fallen Order. But one of the other things that they did was during this time, um, Bioware, which was a EA subsidiary already, was doing the Older Public, which is a massive, which is an MMO, and um, it's still going strong today. To the be- I've never actually played it, but I've heard nothing but good things about the Older Public, um, even from people who aren't really Star Wars fans. They're like the Older Public is just a really good MMO. Um, what happens at this point, though, is for some reason, EA gets developer Respawn Entertainment, who, if you do not know who Respawn is, their big their biggest hit before this was Titanfall and Titanfall 2, which is, you know, just kind of a run-and-gun shooter, but with just, just with really good mechanics as a first-person shooter, just everything about... I I could go on for hours about how good Titanfall is, but Titanfall is just really good and really solid game to play. Um, If I can interject real quick, um, Titanfall 2 is probably in, like, my top five FPSs I've ever played. Yeah, it's it's just that good. Um, So, yeah, so Respawn does that, and then immediately they get put on to Jedi Fallen Order. Which is where we are today. Um, there was a point, I want to say in the 2017 E3, where I can't remember who the host was, 
um, and I can't remember the developer who they talked to, but you can tell it was very much a, we are rushing this game, this is an issue, we are doing the best that we can with what we have, but we are trying to get this game out as quick as we can. Um, and we should not even be talking about it yet because it's nowhere near ready. But there was a point where the host who, I remember distinct, I, I don't remember who it was, but I remember there was a lot of talk about they shouldn't have got a host that doesn't really know a whole lot about video games. Um, but the host sits down with one of these developers and is like, what can you tell us about Jedi Fallen Order? <laughs> and he is obviously very uncomfortable. He doesn't want to be on screen. He doesn't want to be talking about this game yet because in his mind it's nowhere near ready. But And all he says is it's set between Revenge of the Sith and New Hope and it's going to be amazing. And <laughs> I am not exaggerating. I, go find the, the video on YouTube or something. That is the way he, he says it like SpongeBob says imagination. I swear. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm sold. What you say? <laughs> I said, well, I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah, exactly. Um, but while this happens, something else interesting happens at, at, at EA. And a lot of people also talked about this. Bioware gets put on a game called Anthem. All right. Now, Anthem is a game where you are... You're basically you basically get into Iron Man suits and you fly around and it's a uh, it's a first person shooter or third person shooter. I can't I can't remember I barely played it, um, but it's a shooter where you get mechs and you're supposed to go around and loot and just kind of run and gun and just you know you know squad up with with different friends and everything and just yay go go do something that barely matters storyline wise but it's a lot of fun to play. That's what Anthem was. The problem was that they gave that to Bioware who no matter what your thoughts are of like some of the more recent stuff, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, I know a lot of people had issues with and Mass Effect Andromeda. They've never really been problematic when it comes to the story elements of what they were building. And what we're about to talk about is how the story in this game really fails. And to me, it's interesting that Respawn basically like the combat, as we discussed, the combat is pretty solid, even though it is something that Respawn had never done before. And you can tell that it is something that they are going to build on, hopefully, in the second game. Um, but the story does kind of fall apart. You contrast that with Bioware, who does really great game, who really, really great stories. But the gameplay is always just kind of, eh, it's OK. It's a it's an it's typically a MMO kind of style. Um, and they basically Anthem is considered a massive failure. Somewhere there's an alternate reality where those two were switched, where we get Respawn basically switching off from Titanfall 2 to do, oh, look, we can do another mech game where this time you fly as like an Iron Man suit that's customizable. And then Bioware is like, oh, hey, well, cool, we get to do a story-driven game set between episodes three and four, talking about the, the fall of the Jedi Order. Somewhere that happens, and... Yeah, that's that's kind of the backstory you need to know before we get into the story of this game. Um, but before we do jump into the story, um, because this is kind of the perfect intro to how the story kind of fails. Um, Al, I hate the traversal in this game. I hate it so much. If they literally just dropped me into a in into just like a pit. And we're like, here, fight stormtroopers until the next cutscene. I'd be like, yeah, okay, cool. This this is way better. Because, one, you're not wrong. I got lost a lot. 
because the the design of this game, nothing against any of the artists, nothing against anything that happens there. The map is very confusing. Um, and the and just in, like the map that you were actually playing on is confusing to follow. Um, and then the map that BD1 shows you is also very difficult to read. Um, <laughs> and that's so, not his fault. And it's not. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> One has never done anything wrong ever. Let me, <laughs> he is let me, doing his best, everybody. He is doing his best. Let me clarify that right now. Um, <laughs> um, but the map that you were given is also very hard to read. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It's just there was so much about this. The And what's interesting is that when the game starts off, in my opinion, the the middle of this game is where it suffers because I think the first like hour of this game is really strong. I think the last three hours of this game are really strong um, because I really like the opening because the opening is the fir- is the only time that you're like, oh, go climb a lot, and it's the only time where I'm like, okay, interesting. This is interesting. Things are happening because in the opening of this game, you are on a planet called Braca. And what you are is you are a scrapper who is literally taking apart ships from of of the Clone Wars between the Republic and the Separatists. And so you were literally climbing through the interior of a vener of a ven- venerator uh, class starship, which is the main Republic starship, like the precursor to the Star Destroyers. And your goal is to get I don't know to go. To, to follow your friend Prof up and do something with the clamps or something to that effect. Um, but everything that you are going through, like there's things happening. There are people talking in the background. Um, there's a really cool moment where they, where they, you, you get to, if you're, if you stop moving, cause you, you can pass it and skip it. But if you stop moving and actually pay attention to where the camera goes, you get to watch them like cut one of the wings off of, the, of another starship. It's a really cool moment. Um, it's a really cool kind of lore piece to think about, oh, this is what, this is how they handled things after the fall, after the fall of the Clone Wars and after the end of the Clone Wars and everything. Um, once again, really cool moment. The problem is, is that every other time that you are climbing in this game, it is either Cal Kestis is saying just random non sequiturs to the little robot, um, (laughs) Or, or or silence. It's it's one of the and and there was a point where and this is going to be rude because I'm gonna be comparing it to a game that is is just better just in general. But there was a point where I was like, okay, why do I not mind the traversal in games like God of War or Spider-Man or you know Last of Us? And it's because Every one of the other games, Spider-Man's a little a little bit different because, of course, with Spider-Man, you have like J. Jonah Jameson cutting in and and you're constantly swinging and everything. So you're constantly you're doing more stuff while you're moving. But with Last of Us and God of War, you have very important story moments happening like in their conversations between the two. So. There's and, and even in, uh, even in Uncharted, you always have a companion that they're talking to. There's, so, there's, so there's always something happening while they're moving. Um, if I if if respawn just randomly is like, who are these guys that are covering our game three years later, and they happen to hear us, the one thing that I would I would say is needed 
in the second game is to have an actual companion that they can talk to, or at the very least, give us captains for BD1 or something. So that way you can have these different kind of discussions that are actually building on the story around you. Because you have these little, like, interspersed moments where Seer will chime in with, you know, like, important information, and then Cal is just Cal about it, um, which, once again, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but there's never really a point where it was engaging, and there's never really a point where I was like, that was important to the story. I needed to know that information. But you contrast that with, like, you know... Any other, like like you said, character action games or story-driven games, you contrast that with, like, you know, there were points in God of War, just even looking at the 2018 version, where I didn't want to get out of the boat because Mimir was still talking. And I didn't want to interrupt his story of whatever he was saying. Yeah. But, but you put that against, you know, any of the climbing or jumping sections in this game, and I'm like, please just give me an enemy to fight or something to swing my lightsaber at. Which... Wouldn't be a problem because you're like, yeah, because you just you want to get to the cool parts where you get to be a Jedi. But the problem is, is that I shouldn't be wanting to rush through. I would say forty percent of your game to get to the good parts. That's that's not the way that that should be. So, Al, if you have anything to add about the the, traver the traversal mechanics in this, go right ahead. But that's that was something I I was like as I was playing, I was like I have to say something about this because this. <laughs> It's tedious, and I keep falling because I don't know where to actually jump half the time, um, and it's just really annoying. Uh, oh, one thing I did like about it is that if you do fall, as opposed to actually having to hit respawn and go back to the nearest save point, the game knows it. It's it, it, And so what really happens is it just goes, whoop, and then you just start right back from where you fell. I did like that because because that was just like a that was just a mechanic where it was like yeah we know you're gonna fall a lot we know this is going to uh, this is gonna happen so let's not let's just kind of save you from that I, I did like that mechanic but Al was there anything you wanted to add about the traversal before we move on to the story? Uh, there isn't a whole lot no um, I did have to laugh when you were talking about like as you're like going through and climbing stuff and doing um, things on the map. Um, and Cal just says the most inane stuff to mostly himself. Um, <laughs> I can't help but laugh because uh, when I was playing it, there was a moment when Cal was talking, and like he, and like I forget what the lines even were, but he was talking for like a while, and it was not like to anybody. He was just kind of <laughs> like giving voice to his thoughts, and it made me, um, it made me remember. Um, and compare it to um, this game I played um, a while back. Um, it came out um, in 2018. I think it's free on PlayStation Plus now. But um, I mean, it was an open-world zombie apocalypse game called Days Gone. And, mm. and like you're like a survivor in the zombie apocalypse in Days Gone. And like you drive your motor cycle around and like you do stuff. The game's okay. Um it was fun for a while. But the main character of Days Gone is a crazy person and will just, like, randomly talk to himself, like, as he's going about things. And there's a mechanic in the game where you're driving around on your motorcycle and a radio show will come on. 
and there's like a radio show that one of the others survivors are hosting and they're like spewing a bunch of conspiracy theories about like oh the government did this and like there's other things going on in the zombie apocalypse and the main character will like respond to the radio show host as if he's having a conversation with him but the wildest thing is that he has to do this to where you can hear him over the sound of his motorcycle. So the radio show clip will play. And then the main character, which I can't even remember the main character's name, but God, he will respond by like screaming over the sound of his own motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> and he screams for like a while to the point where there was a point in that game where I brought my motorcycle to a stop and started to sneak up on this like outpost of like of um, other like of enemy survivors, and he was continuing to scream his dialogue <laughs> as he snuck up to this camp. <laughs> oh God, it was so funny. Um, but anyway, that kind of is what that reminded me about because there were parts in this game where Cal's just like um just starts to talk, just like air out like. <laughs> the thoughts in the back of his mind and i'm just and i'm just kind of like okay cal you are a jedi dude like you need to be you need to be a lot more okay with with being alone with your own thoughts for longer like <laughs> like you need to be okay with like the general silence of the time man you gotta you gotta do better um put him yeah I, like I'll tell you what, I did make a joke earlier about how, like, I got lost a lot on Kashyyyk, and, like, I did. But um, I'm, like, okay with saying that that um, is probably a me thing because I've seen and heard a lot of other people um, who played this game and and said that they did not get lost at all. So that's probably just a me thing. Um, I'll own up to that. But... The one thing I will say about the traversal in this game is that um, it would be improved upon so damn much. And this is probably the most common complaint I've heard about this game is if if they would just let you fast travel in between the meditation points. Yep. Like if you could just do that, it would take so much of just the tediousness out of the game um and like i don't know why they didn't do that because like i understand that like this game was like a little bit rushed because it was like mostly done and then a report i read said that like there were some bugs that they could have delayed the game a bit to like um to give it a bit more development and polishing time but they wanted to go ahead and do a release around the holidays but, like, this is, like, <laughs> this came out on a Generation 8 console, right? Yeah. yeah. We are well into the time period where, like, a game at release is not necessarily the game that it is going to end up as, right? And, like, regardless of your opinions on that, I, I think there are some very good things about that. I think there are some very bad things about that. But that is the reality in which we live right now with games like bro it's been almost three years since i touched this game 
the fact that they did not patch in a fast travel system in that time, like, blows my mind. That is wild. Like, for the life of me, I can't figure out why. Because that's kind of what I assumed when I played this for, like, the very first time. Because I played through it. I was just like, man, the, the lack of fast travel with this game is really weird and just kind of like a glaring hole um, in, like, the product um, itself. I'm sure eventually they'll patch it in. And lo and behold, coming back to it three years after the fact, they still haven't done anything akin to a yeah. fast travel system or, or like, being able to choose your respawn point at least. That is wild. That is insane to me. I hope that that is the very first thing they implemented, the very first change they implement in, like, the upcoming game. Because, like, wow, it's just so obvious. Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, you are, you are preaching to the choir right now. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was, because that was one of those things, I was kind of with you, uh, like, as I was playing it, I was like, oh yeah, there's no fast travel in this. And then, like, later on in the game, I was like, wait, why is there no fast travel in this? Like, <laughs> like, why is that a thing? Um it's but, yeah, Especially it's, when, like, so much of the traversal is built off of the idea of, like, it's like a, it's like a modernized approach to being, like, a, a Metroidvania, right? Sure. Like, yeah. the idea of, like, you unlock new tools and new skills or whatever, and then you can go back and, like, unlock new paths and explore other things. Mm -hmm. But, like, the thing that... Metroidvania's hinge on is the idea that the map is easy to navigate. Like, <laughs> if you play, like, any Metroid game, as you go, like, it's on a grid system. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just, like, various cells of the game that you unlock as you go on. So, like, yeah. that works because you can just be like, oh, that weird thing I found is in, like, this particular quadrant of this game, so I'm going to go back there. Really easy. And, like, sure, you can't really do that same thing in a game like this, where, like, it's open world and very three-dimensional and, um, and things like that. But that's where fast travel comes in. So I just really don't... Just, just the fact that it's not there just, like, blows my mind. I still don't... I still don't understand. Yeah, it's just... This is weird, man. I, I don't know. That's <laughs> a a a companion to talk to and or choose better things for Cal to say during traversal and a fast travel system. Those are the two two top things I would I would change about this game because that would that would make it so much better. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna get to the story. Um, so so here's the thing. All right. When it comes to Star Wars, most of the films and most of the things that we focus on aren't necessarily about like, oh, the plot is great, which, you know, there's a lot of times where you have you have some interesting things happen. But when it comes right down to it, what you really remember about the Star Wars, about the Star Wars films is the characters. You know, we we don't necessarily think about the adventures of Luke Skywalker, but we think of Luke Skywalker. We don't really think about, you know, all the things that Leia has done, but we just think about how awesome Leia is as a character. 
Um, and that's not to take away from the plots of the films or things that they have done. When it comes right down to it, you know, one of the reasons Star Wars is successful is because it is a very character-driven story. I mean, I, I would you would you agree with that, Al? Well, yeah, I would. Yeah. So the biggest issue with this game, story-wise, is I do not care about Cal Kestis at all. Um, I just I just don't like from from the get go because I remember there was a point where I was streaming this game and Al hadn't played it yet. And he got on the stream and he 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 had previously thought he was like, wait, you don't make your own character. And as I kept playing this game, there were I there are four different ways that I thought this game could be more interesting from a storyline perspective where you basically have the exact same beats, but you have four different characters that could star in this game that aren't Cal Kestis. And the first one that came to mind was why didn't they just make it a character creation thing and make it to where the things that you say are very basic or, or you get to like choose like dialogue trees or something basically like a mass effect game. But because what, what is, what is really happening here is all the characters around you are what is more interesting which is why that works in Mass Effect because if you're because I mean Commander Shepard is no one's favorite character in, in Mass Effect he just isn't if you if you talk to anybody about Mass Effect you're 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 gonna hear you're gonna hear about Garrus you're gonna hear about Rex you're gonna hear about Thane you're gonna hear about Miranda you hear about uh, um, is it Tally is her name yes yes okay like yeah, that's that's the thing is you hear more about the side characters than you hear about Commander Shepard because you commander shepherd is just your self insert i think that would 100% affect the story and make it better in this if you were a self insert character because everything about calcestus is basically a blank slate of i am hitting story beats that is he is a character of story beats is what he is even to the point al you you had mentioned you messaged me and you were rather egregious or, or, um, or, um, um, uh, that's not the right word. Excuse me. What do you say? Incredulous. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You were incredulous about the fact that, um, he gets so upset that seer did not tell him about Trilla being the second sister. And even to the point where like, <laughs> like I have forgotten how bad that was because, because my, in, in, in my head, when you sent that to me, I was like, okay, well, he doesn't know that she was tortured. He doesn't know that she, um, that, you know, she had to watch Trilla basically be turned into an inquisitor in front of her eyes. He doesn't know that that's why he's hiding all that because that's such a dark thing for her. No, he knows all of that. And it's still just like, I can't believe you lied to me. And like it's such a it's such a weird moment because there's nothing everything about the relationships with these characters in this game that involve Cal are weird. Oh, the only yeah. one that te- the only one that technically isn't is Marin, and that one's uh, that that's because Marin comes so late in the game that it actually kind of works with her just being like, yeah, I guess I'll hang out with you. 
Um, which, for the record, I love Marin. And in fact, the best version of this game would be if Marin was the star. Because, because, because here, because here's the thing. All right. And, and and I know I'm on a tirade, and Al, I promise you, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna let you talk in a second, but but I'm, I'm on a roll. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I talked about character action mechanics for like half an hour, so you're good. <laughs> okay, so there you go. Um, the here's the, the interesting thing about this is, if you told me, I if you came to me and you said Jacob, I want you to do a Star Wars action RPG game, basically, okay. Where you're you're gonna have like a skill tree that you're, that you're gonna build up, you know, you're gonna gain new powers. Um, what's your what's your story basis? Oh, and it, it has to be between episode three and episode four. Um, okay, so the things that I would think about doing, one of them would just be yeah, Jedi on the run. Okay, that would be like the first because that that's your first initial thought. Okay, but if I actually sat down and thought about it for longer than like five minutes. What is actually more interesting is the last living night sister. That is way more interesting. Ooh. And I know like and I know that like, you know, obviously you don't get the name recognition of Jedi, but if you still put Star Wars in front of it, it's going to sell to someone. Someone is going to be like, "What's that new Star Wars game about?" Because there's never a point even if you, I don't, I don't care if you're, I don't care if you're looking at the Night Sisters from the old canon where you have some oddly sexual connotations with them, or if you're looking at the Night Sisters from like the current canon with Clone Wars, where it's basically just like a more like a caste system between the the women who are the witches of the of Dathomir and the men who basically become the Night Brothers and or pretty much Darth Maul and Savage Opress. Everything about that sounds awesome. It doesn't matter which that's one you look at. What do you say? That's the future that the progressives want. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but, I had to get that in there. <laughs> no, no, no. You're you're absolutely correct. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but the, but that's that's my thing. Is like. Every time Marin shows up, or everything you learn about her with within this storyline, with a a fallen Jedi comes to her planet and says, "I can give you revenge," and then that fallen Jedi turns on you and tries to and basically becomes a dictator of Dathomir. That is a really interesting concept that I wanted to explore way more because we get like the like we get like these hints of it. And and a lot of them you can miss because it's all like stuff that you have to find and you have to have BD scan for you to hear about all of it. And so we see like the aftermath of it between Marin and Terran Malakos. But here's the thing. Whenever you have a night sister that's going to bury a man alive, like that's his finale. Is he, he buries him alive. Like that's a uh, – Yeah. That's that's someone I want to know more about. Like I want to know what brought you there from a mental from a mental perspective. That would be way more interesting. Okay, so that's Marin. Okay, next up we have Seer. So Seer is a concept that we would would actually be very very new into the Star Wars into the Star Wars um, mythos, particularly in the sense of like. 
if you can't do an Obi-Wan Kenobi game, you can do a Seer Junda game. Because what Seer is, is she is a master who failed her Padawan, and her Padawan turned to the dark side. Okay? And she has to deal with the with the repercussions of that. Obviously, yes, you can make comparisons to Obi-Wan Kenobi very, very easily. But the thing is that you get a really... You could still do it with brand new characters that no one knows, and you could do a lot of different story beats with that. Because that was the thing, is you had... The biggest issue with this game is that you have the entire galaxy of Star Wars to pick and choose from, and you can do so much with it, and you give us this very bland, by-the-numbers... Padawan goes on the run, Padawan's in hiding, Padawan is trying to cut himself off from the Force, and he needs to regain his ability to use the Force. There's your game. And, once again, I am I'm going to play Jedi Fallen Survivor. I'm going to I'm going to analyze the story just as, my, as I'm doing it now. I'm excited for that game. I really am, because I really do really like Respawn as developers, and I want to see what they do with this game. I want the story to be better, though, because I want them to be able to I want them to be able to try to do something a little different. And I'm not one of those that's like, oh, well, it's it's bad because the same old thing. No, I I have watched enough superhero films and read enough comic books to to tell you, yes, there's a lot of stories that have the same beats. But there are different ways to handle a story, and if a story is told well, it doesn't matter if it's the same beat. It doesn't matter if Superman beats Lex Luthor again. It's how he beats Lex Luthor and how you get there that's what matters. The problem with this story is that literally, the ending was the only surprising part to me. <laughs> um, and Lord, that ending. Um but yeah, just Seer, Seer would have been a really cool character to do because I think Seer herself is a really interesting character. I like the idea. Um, I like the idea that she cuts herself off from the Force um, because she is so scared of how easily she could be corrupted by the dark side. That is interesting because typically if someone cuts himself off from the Force, it's because they are in exile, i.e. Yoda and or Luke. Although Yoda doesn't cut himself off from the Force, but you you get my you get what I'm saying. Typically, that's when someone cuts himself off from the Force, which some people argue they're like, well, you can't really cut yourself off from the Force because the Force is constant, and they don't really like that concept. And Al, I can't remember if you where you fall on that, but I'm gonna go ahead and put that that to sleep right now. Unless once again, Al, you do have something to say to that, and you do want to clarify. Um, for me, when you say that you're cutting yourself off from the force, it is effectively the same way as I'm not going to the gym anymore. And I know that sounds very basic, but that's my thought process is, yes, the living force is all around us. We're I mean, our our bodies are still going to be able to move and still live with with everything else around us. But we're not going to be able to use the force powers that we have. We're not going to be able to sense the force around us. Same way, you know, if you are a runner and all of a sudden you stop running, you're not going to be able to to do a 5K, you know, the same way that you used to be able to. If you if you're a weightlifter and you you stop for a year at a time, well, yeah, you're not going to be able to get you're not going to be able to lift nearly as much as you could whenever you kept going back to it. So, to me, when someone says they're cutting themselves off from the force. What I take that as is they are cutting themselves off from the ability to use the force. So it's not necessarily saying that they are cutting themselves off from the from life itself. It's that they are 
trying to remove themselves and keep them kind of grounded and away from reacting to the force around them. The last character this game could be about is probably the one that they really didn't want to go with. But this game could be about Trilla if they wanted to. The problem is that if you do Trilla is that that you obviously have comparisons to, well, the last big character action Star Wars game was Force Unleashed. And yeah, if you do Trilla, that's basically the same basic premise of go hunt down Jedi. But all the same, if you were hunting down Jedi and you have a character, I have no issues with Starkiller as a character, but when it comes right down to it, Trilla's story is just more interesting. Starkiller, as, as, as cool of a character as he is, he's basically a bl- he's not a blank slate. But with Trilla, you have, I was raised as a Padawan. I feel as though my Jedi Master left me and left me in the hands of these psychopaths, and now I'm going to hunt down everything that my Master stands for. That's an interesting concept. And so, for me, the biggest issue with this story, once again, is that I do not care about Cal Kestis at all. He falls into the Harry Potter category, once again. Um, I care way more about every other character surrounding him. Um, yeah, I just, I, Al, I've ranted about characters, uh, say something about the story, whether it's good or bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. Um, yeah, it's just, it comes down to what you said at the core of it, where, like, where Cal is the least Cal is not only the least interesting character in this story. The goal that he has is probably the least interesting storyline that is going on in the backdrop of this game Mm. overall. Because, like, his whole thing is that... And honestly, it isn't even his whole thing. It's like a thing that, like, he adopts from Seer because it it was her goal... In the first place. But, like, because um, Cal's whole thing becomes, like, um, sure, he's trying to, like, restore his relationship with the Force. Um, even though, for some reason, um, the one Force power he retains is, is the ability to, like, slow time, which seems <laughs> a little bit odd. But um, I can't... <laughs> I have to travel to two different planets before I recall how how to pull something to myself, but I can <laughs> slow time all I want to. Um, but um, the story very quickly becomes he wants to find this Jedi holocron that an older Jedi had like had found or had laid the f- foundations for the information on it and the information is that it has a list of horse sensitive children in the galaxy and he and seer want to find this because that's like a direct key to rebuilding the jedi order right because you can't have a jedi order without a whole bunch of jedi and you can't have a whole bunch of jedi as we've seen without mass kidnapping a bunch of children um so that's that's what the story becomes right um and like it's a combination of factors it's the combination of factors that kind of bring this story down one of them which i think is an which i think is an overlooked issue with this story whenever i hear about people talk about this game 
uh, which is weird because it's the issue that's brought up by the characters is that um, the Empire probably would have never been able to find this holocron if Cal had not let the entire galaxy know that he was trying to find it. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the Empire Fair. probably would not have been able to find this this list of impressionable, um, easy-to-kidnap children if... <laughs> If Cal and Seer had just been like, hey, let's go do anything else. Um, so that's one thing. And that, like, it's literally something that Cal brings up. Um, or actually, no, I'm sorry. It's something that... Marin. Marin brings up. Yeah, That Cal exactly. responds to. Because <laughs> Marin is just kind of like, are you sure we should be fine? Are you sure we should trying to be fine this... this this is the force sensitive children when um you know inquisitors are chasing you from planet to planet and Cal is just like shut up Marin <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go do my vision quest. <laughs> and, so, and so you're just kinda like, oh well, okay, cool, huh? Um I I hadn't thought about that that much, but now I'm going to game. Um and so um, you have that factor of it. You have the factor that um, Cal, Cal is one of the most unlikable characters in all of Star Wars. Um, because like every interaction he has with the person comes across as feeling either very entitled or very, very manipulative um, with, like, every conversation he has, right? Like, I'm, I'm kind of beyond the, the post-grad point of my life where, like, I'm trying to, like, assign psychological disorders to, like, fictional characters I see. But, like, <laughs> but, like Cal has some red flags, for some personality, for some personality disorders. Sure. <laughs> because, like, here's the thing, Jacob, here's the thing that really struck me about his whole issue with Seer, is that you listed off the things of just, like, you know, he doesn't know that, like, she was tortured, he doesn't know that, like, she had to watch her apprentice be turned um, to the dark side, he doesn't know that she was forced to, like, use the dark side in order to escape, and things like that. And then you're just like, oh, wait, he does know that. And blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. Okay. Jacob, even if he did not know all that, why is he so upset? That's true. Like, That's, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> even if he doesn't have the background information. Like, when he finds out that Trilla used to be Sears' apprentice, like he gets irrationally angry and it's just like cal what was that information going to tell you like like she was she used to be a jedi apprentice okay you knew she at least had some kind of training she's a sith inquisitor like sure. of, <laughs> of course she's going to be at least force sensitive if not like trained how to use the force when she fights. So that wasn't about to be 
like a aha, glad I know that point now thing. <laughs> like, what, like, oh, well, you know, she um, was a Jedi and she turned to the dark side um, because um, Seer uh, was captured um, and just kind of like screwed up their hiding place. It's like, okay, Cal, are you d- d- doing a criminal profile on Trilla that you need to know that? Like, it's just like... Cal feels so entitled to know so much about other people. Like, like immediately, like, immediately, he just like, why didn't you tell me? You should have told me. And it's just like, Cal, she's the one who saved your life. She doesn't yep. owe you anything. Like, nope. <laughs> like you weren't owed a damn thing. And the main, the scene that like really got to me and like really turned me against Cal is after he and Seer have their first like big fight um, again for virtually no reason. Um, um, Grease comes over to him and and talks to him and is just like, um, hey Cal, like what's going on with you and Seer? And Cal's just like, it isn't any of your business, Grease. And I hoped that Grease was just going to be like, um, it's my ship, bitch. Like, of course it's my <laughs> business. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm chauffeuring. Business or something uh, to that effect? Well, yeah, he, he takes it, like, very kindly and gently. He's just like, well, no, I think it is my business. I thought, I thought all of us were, I thought all of us were, like, in this together when he should have just been like, um, I'm carting you around the galaxy in my ship with the empire and Sith inquisitors chasing me. Like, <laughs> like if I want to know your, it'll name, you're going to tell me like, <laughs> it's insane. But it goes back to cow just being like, no, I'm a fancy Jedi. I could be the last one around. You have to cart me around. I'm the galaxy's only hope. Uh, because, because Cal is a narcissist. Like, <laughs> Cal is an absolute narcissist. And, like, I'm not trying to, like, ignore, like, the fact that Cal, like, is a survivor of the Purge. Like, he, he obviously was very young. He, like, saw terrible things happen. Um, he went through a lot. And, like, I understand that, right? Um, but, like... But like, oh my God, if the purge hadn't have happened, Cal was going to turn into a new version of Ace Windu. Like that is the path that Cal was on. Like that's just the kind of person that he is. Um, And so like, it's really hard to care about him and care about anything he's trying to accomplish. Because one, like Cal, again, you are taking the Empire straight to this list of Force-sensitive children. Um, Two, you're an asshole to everybody. When the only thing people, the only thing people have done to you in this entire story is save your life. Like, that, that is the only thing these characters have done to you is, like, preserve your continuation in this story. Like, that's all that Seer does. That's all that Grease does. That's all that 
Aaron does. That's all that PD one does. Like is just it's just a group of people who are saving your life, Cal. Um, and so it's it's frustrating. Like there's a part like you drew a parallel to like um, the things that happen in like the Mass Effect games, right? Mm. And one of the main things about the Mass Effect games, about Dragon Age, about God of War that you brought up, is that like those characters are so well written and so and and so endeared to us through the story that we go out of our way to like find all the interactions with them and like yeah. exhaust like on the dialogue options and like watch interactions between like other characters who we don't even control. If it's just like a couple um, like if Tali and Rex are having a conversation, I'm going to like stop and, and make sure I hear every word of that. Uh, Cause yeah. that sounds really interesting. Um, I went out of my way in this game to not see interactions with Cal and the members of this crew because all of them are so awkward. <laughs> like this game is written for all the things I praised the combat and the mechanical side of this game for this game is so horribly written that it feels like it's about two aliens from out of from outer space not in the star wars world in our world it feels like a bunch of aliens <laughs> watched people interact for 20 seconds and then try to write a story driven video <laughs> because all of it is horrible <laughs> like at no point does it ever feel like any crew member of that ship wants to be there and I, I wouldn't yeah. either if I had to share a bunk with Cal Kestis. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me a couple days of talking to Cal, and I would just be like, you know what, guys? I will take my chances with these Sith Inquisitors. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just let me. You can tell them where to pick me up. Like, <laughs> just let me go. Um, but anyway, um, I will stop... <laughs> taking a crap all over the characters in this game, um, even though it is a lot of fun to do so. Um, because there is this other thing with the story that I want to talk about real quick, uh, because I think I brought it up briefly uh, to you um, a few days ago, Jacob. But there's a part in the game where you get captured by a bounty hunter. Good lord, yeah. And are taken to, like, a space station that is yep. also, like a gladiator stadium, yep. which by the way, that idea sounds awesome. That yeah. could be its own it, game. It's exactly. <laughs> like, <laughs> I kind of hope that happens. I kind of hope we just get a game. That's just like, Hey, you're like a horse sensitive dude. Um, who's in this star Wars gladiator pit. Go Hide a bunch of people and go to escape. Like that's <laughs> that, that's your game. There you go, everybody. Um, um, that sounds awesome. Just make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? Like just just have that have that happen. 
Um, that does not work in this game. No. Um, because holy crap, does that whole sequence feel random. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know. Um, I'm not saying this to try to sound smug. I just honestly don't know. The random encounters with um, the bounty hunters throughout the game after that point, if you die in those, are you sent back through the pit? Is that a thing? No, because I actually... So no? I, no. <laughs> so, because I actually did die at one. Um, um, and, and what happens is they, they send you back to the nearest... Uh, the nearest med- meditation uh, shrine thing, whatever, and uh, then the bounty hunters are gone. Okay, so I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, I don't. I, I, I just have to live with my failure." Then, okay, that's literally what I thought was happening. That nope. is, that nope. is insane. No, because if you because if you leave the planet and then go back, they're still there. Which was. Or, or if you go to a different part of the game. So basically, all right. So I went to go fight Terran, Terran Malikos, and the bounty hunters. Uh, they took me out at one point. Um, went back to fight them again, and they were gone. So I just went through, did the main story mission. When you're exiting and trying to get back to the ship, they are right there, and you can sneak up behind them, and <laughs> that's where they're at. And then that's that's how I took them down that time. Because see the first time, see the the problem, and and that's that's another that's another reason I think the last three hours of this game were a lot better for me is I finally realized if you literally just block everything for about the first minute and you just learn what their what their main attack patterns are, every character is really easy to to take down after after a while. The bosses are really the only ones that aren't that way, um, but uh, but yeah, that's. Yeah, the so the bounty hunter so the bounty hunters are interested in this though because I like that concept I really do like if they had actually ran with that of you can constantly get picked up by bounty hunters and take it back to this pit and you constantly have to keep breaking out that would all that would not only would that be hilarious but that would add an extra challenge to every time I saw a bounty hunter I'd be like son of a bitch if I die because I don't have to go through this pit again. Uh, <laughs> It raises the stakes. That it is so. Uh, but also, you know, that's an easy thing to do. Where it's like, oh, yeah, the Inquisitors know about you, so it would make sense. The bounty hunters would also know about you. But apparently, and once again, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if I missed a discussion or something, but apparently, the bounty hunters go after you because of Grease's uh, gambling debts, which. I had no idea that was a thing until you get back to the ship and Grease apologizes to you. And I'm like, what? You saved me. Like, what was – why are you apologizing to me? And then I, I put two and two together and figured out, oh, he has gambling debts or something. But that's not really said. Like, it's not really stated. Like, the, the announcer that wants to be Handsome Jack but can't, uh, like, Ooh. makes like a uh, – makes like some kind of like snide remark about your forearmed friend, like being the reason that you're here, but they don't like clarify that. Also, while he says that, like a, uh, 
one of the little ram things from Zepho is charging straight at you. So yeah, I can't really focus on what what the hologram is saying while I'm trying to parry this thing. You know, so so yeah, I that was that entire segment was weird to me. It's it's so wild because like one, it feels like there's another like five or six hours of that part of the game that was like dropped on the cutting yeah. room floor. Yeah. Like it feels it's so it's so intrusive and random and then over so quickly. Yeah. That it's just like no, no this was not all there was to this part of the game. Like that's impossible. And like the explanation given like it doesn't make any sense because okay, Grease like has a history of gambling. Um, he goes on to talk about like, yep, I used to go to like those fights and and bet on certain um, fighters and stuff like that. That used to be me. How how does how does kidnapping one's Jedi companion like <laughs> pay Grease's debts? Debts, yeah. Because the thing <laughs> is like. They aren't going to get a return on the investment from Cal being in the pits <laughs> because anybody there who hears, oh, yeah, we found like some swamp frogs and a Jedi is going to <laughs> bet on the Jedi. <laughs> so, so, like, it's not, it's not a thing of just like, oh, this will be great. We're going to like, like, we're going to like hustle everybody at these pits. <laughs> and make a killing on it, like, they announce him as the last surviving Jedi. Yeah. And then expect people to bet against him. (laughs) (laughs) Like, just, like, the fact that Jedi are more so of a... of a story at this point. (laughs) Like, they're more so of a story of, like, a warrior that could use magic... (laughs) And then they're just like, all right, everybody, you know how the Empire killed all of the Jedi? Well, one of them survived, and they're going to fight a goat. Like, like, it's <laughs> like, what, were the, what were these people trying to accomplish? <laughs> like, it's wild. Oh, that part of the game is so weird. But It, um, it really is. Um, I do want to, before we move on real quick, I do want to pour one out. For a character that nobody talks about in this game, um, um, including Cal, because yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> because our boy Prof, mm-hmm. right? Oh, Prof, yep. the scrapyard, right? Um, seems to be the only friend in the world that Cal Kestis has. Mm. Um, finds out he's a Jedi, and does him assaulted, and it's just like, hey, Cal. Not only am I going to turn you in for a reward that's probably like 20 times his annual pay at the scrapyard. Um, Not only am I not going to turn you in, I'm going to cover for you so that you can leave without rousing suspicion so that you can escape. And, And it's just like, oh, wow, thanks. And then when the Inquisitors show up, who are, you know, called the Inquisition... Uh, when they show up, Prof is just like, you know what? 
not only am I going to cover for Cal, draw attention away from him, I'm going to like give these inquisitors what for and hopefully inspire other people to resist the tyranny of the empire. And Prof loses his life with this move. He sacrifices himself both for Cal and for the greater good of what he believes the galaxy has the potential to be. And then what can't be any more than a week later, <laughs> Cal is talking to BD1. And Cal says, you know, before I came on this quest, I was alone. I didn't have any friends. <laughs> and I imagine Prof shows up in the corner as a force ghost. And is just like, what the hell, man? Then Cal goes and talks to, to Marin on Dathomir. He says the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> he doubles down. I was just like, Cal, this man died for you. <laughs> he literally threw himself onto an Inquisitor's lightsaber so that you might escape. And he knew you all of like three or four years. Like, he was, this is something a friend from work did for you. Like, <laughs> like, Jacob, would you jump on a lightsaber for any of your friends from work? Like, <laughs> a few, but, you know. <laughs> it's insane. Well, if you did, how would you feel if a week after you did that, they reported to not have any friends at work? <laughs> it is insane. That line pissed me off so much. And then he says it again, and I'm flabbergasted at how horrible of a character Cal is. Like, that's something I read. I read a thread um, on, um, on like, um, I read a couple of different threads about this game on various subreddits. And one of them said that in regards there's a lot of people out there who love the story of this game and if you're out there and you love the story please tell us why because i want to understand i want to enjoy things too um <laughs> please like leave comments and hit us up on instagram and stuff like that uh, because i like i genuinely do want to appreciate what's being told here but i ran across a comment from this one person who said Cal Kestis has already done more to preserve the Jedi Order than any of the other surviving Jedi have ever done. Wow. And I'm just That's... like, what game did you play? <laughs> because all Cal does is hate the people who save his life. <laughs> <laughs> that is all Cal Kestis does. It's a damn good thing. Last thing about the story. It's a damn good thing that Seer does not die um, in this game. Um, which, like, I don't really understand how he does not die. I guess I don't understand the structure of spaceships. But <laughs> um, it kind of reminded me. When she pops back up at the end of the game, it kind of reminds me of the scene from the Emperor's New Groove where Kronk is just like, honestly, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make um, any sense, yeah. <laughs> like, it's a good thing Seer does not die. It's a good thing that nobody on his crew 
dies like um, after the point where they've decided to find the holocron because um, what a slap in the face it would have been if they had lost somebody and then Cal was just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to destroy this thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, but you know what? That like that borderline psychopathic move would have been totally on brand for Cal Kestis in this game. <laughs> I can only imagine if Seer died and Cal is back on the Mantis and he's just like, well, I found the Holocron. This contains all the hopes and dreams of our friend Seer. And now I'm going to slash it into pieces. <laughs> she did not disclose personal information to me after owing me for 48 hours. <laughs> it's, it's insane. I, I'm being serious, y'all. If somebody, if you're out there, if you love Cal Kestis, if you think this story is beautifully written, then like, please let me know why you think that. Cause I, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand. And this, this is a, this is a sincere request. It's not like, we don't want to dislike this character. We don't want to dislike this story. Um, and, and, and I'm about to discuss something about that, like about how I think the story could have been improved. But I just, the way it's told right now, I just, I don't get it. Um, the, th here's the thing is in my opinion, the argument with the Holocron should have happened way sooner. Um, I don't know how you could have got Marin there faster or I don't know, maybe have her turn a little bit earlier in the game, but the argument with the Holocron of what should we actually do with it should happen way sooner because once again, that's why the last three, three hours are, are the best part of the game, in my opinion, because that that discussion is way more interesting than any other aspect of this game. Because the discussion of if we find all these children, won't they just be on the run just like we are? And should we be making that choice for them? That is a very interesting question. And another thing that I've always liked about the post- um, older public version of the Jedi is the question of, do we want to start taking children who are force sensitive and raising them as Jedi, or do we want to let that be a decision that happens? That's why, I mean, that, that's, that's one of the things, I mean, hell that, that even goes to the sequel. I, I know a lot of people will hate the sequel trilogy, but even that's an aspect of it. Ray is like 18. Kylo Ren, when he starts out as Jedi training is like seven. So, I mean, he has, like, I mean, he's still a younger, but he has at least, like, it's not he's literally raised up to be a Jedi. He has at least a general idea of how to say yes or no. You know, he, he, like, mm. I, I don't know. Anyways, I, I do like that concept. But, so, I, I, I've been thinking, I was thinking about this while, while I was playing the game. And there is a scene that not a lot of people talk about, but it's a very interesting scene. It's the last... What it is, it's the last flashback that Ka that Cal has before he uh, defeats the spooky cave. Um, and what it is, is he is on the ship um, with all the clones that are that are basically like fun uncles to him, pretty much. Sure. sure. Um, and then all of a sudden, Order 66 happens and they all turn and they start trying to kill him and Jaro to Paul. I do not understand why this story was not told chronologically. Yeah. And 
I know that we want to even even in the sense of like even if you have to do like a time jump like after the first like hour or two and just go four years later, you know, and then you you go from there. To me, what would have really helped this in a lot of ways, because if I had seen that scene at the start and I see that this is a this is effectively a child who was abandoned and doesn't really know how to actually interact with other people. And and he is and he he feels responsible for his master's death. He feels responsible for the fact that he can't uh, remember all the force powers and he can't he can't access as much of the force as he should be able to. If you start out with that inner conflict, everything about Cal is is slightly better now. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not excusing all the crappy dialogue and the random arguments with Seer and the and the very massive amount of self entitlement. But what I'm simply saying is that if you start us off there from a very basic storytelling element, we feel more for Cal Kestis from that from the get go. There, um, to me, that's that's because because once again, last three hours of this game, that's one of the best. That's one of the that's one of the first scenes where I actually felt something for Cal. Was him having to watch Jaro to Paul die, and him having to go from high fiving clone troopers to them taking pot shots at his head, like that was the moment where I was like, okay, you know, that's that's kind of intense, you know, and it's a very effective scene. It would work really well as a uh, as an opening of you know, let's get the action going. Let's you know, you could even have like you can even have like opening scene where it's he's training with Jaro, and then all of a sudden. That happens. Um, and I know, of course, they wanted to keep doing the, you know, the flashbacks to learn more force powers. And, yeah, you can still do that. But I would I would have started off with his death, me personally. I would have jumped right, right from there. And, and because, like, like I said, you do that, you do like a, uh, I don't know, you do like a small tutorial where it's like, this is how Cal met Prof, or this is how he became a scrapper. Maybe you get to see Braca before uh, all the ships get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, cause I think it is said that it was like a, just like a random scrapyard planet, even before the end of the clone wars. But then once the clone wars happened, that's where all the scrappers went to. Cause that's where all the money was pretty much. But okay. Even then you have the right there, you have an interesting concept of like work relations within the galaxy. I know that for some people they'd be like, okay, well that's kind of boring, but at the same time, I mean, if we if we want to if we want to have more things like Andor, where we want to attempt to try and tell adult story, uh, more so adult stories within the Star Wars universe, that's an interesting concept. Of where do these guys go to work? I know that might seem boring to some people, but it, but here's the thing: what what makes someone leave four planets away to go and just attempt to? Uh, to break down spaceships like what kind of that i don't know stuff like that's interesting to me so that would that would have been another another interesting thing to to work into cal storyline and of course his main thing is he just wants to that's also how he is able to blend in because he seems just like every other um uh every other basic worker uh with a visa pretty much for lack of a better term obviously it would be a, it would be Star Wars related, or I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they would literally just say, "This is your space work visa," which would be 
hilarious actually in hindsight <laughs> but you know but anyways all right uh all right last i've got two I've, I've got one more question that's just kind of a random one and then of course our main two of course uh you know our, of course um so last last uh question about the actual game itself what was your favorite planet al just kind of a little fun one Ooh, that like, is a fun one of, of of like 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 design and you know just every time that you were there you were like okay that's kind of cool you know yeah. mine mine easy but what was yours yeah um I think that um I think that mine is probably Athamir um just because it felt like the most overall unique planet that you go to and that like obviously it's like it's like appearances and and things like that were like very interesting and like unique and um stuff like that but also it felt like an actual planet in other ways and that like there's a part of the game where like you go through like the the living areas of like the people who used to live on Athabir. You go through like an entire like small town or village um, where like the Hyde sisters used to be and like the Hyde brothers uh, were there and things like that. And there were actual houses and there were like ramparts that connected um, doors and apartments like across ways up on the up above the ground and like I don't know it felt like a how you would expect a planet in Star Wars to be where like instead of like I'm just being kind of like I'm just kind of like vast and open and wild or being like uh, there's like a there's like an apparel outpost here and that's about it and that's all the planet it felt like okay this part of it is more wild and untamed but this part you can actually see like there was a group of people who lived here and built like their own kind of culture and civilization and and oh you can obviously tell that this is where like they did like the more occult stuff with the force and like um the um, the rituals and stuff so i don't know it felt unique on its own and then within the planet it actually felt like you, you could tell like okay this is how the planet would actually work and stuff so i like that one a lot i hope we get um a lot more kind of fleshed out um environments like that in future games uh i literally pretty much word for word everything you just said yeah that's uh that was kind of that was my exact feelings every time every time i went to dathomir i was like this is just a cool area um mainly because like i don't know i really liked how different it was from what we had already seen in the clone wars because you know with nothing against kashik because i mean because kashik has Kashyyyk has some really cool like designs. It's a really cool moments. I I love the tree. I really really love the uh, the giant rocher tree or the the great tree or wh- whatever it's called. Um, but you know everything about Dathomir was just so interesting and so different. And I like that it was so elevated. Like I, I like that you know the main attack with Grievous and um, 
and the droids and Dooku probably happened on like the surface level. But even at the top of that mountain, because Marin talks about it, she was like, this is where my family was. And she talks about the the mechanical monster or something to that effect, you know, taking her village apart pretty much. And that's once again, another reason Marin should be the main character of this game. But um, everything about that storyline and everything about, you know, you're absolutely right. When you go through that one village um, that they ultimately use as an ambush. But when you go through there, you're like, oh, this is really cool because I get to see how they lived here. That's a really interesting concept. Um, and so, yeah, no, I just, I loved everything about Dathomir. Um, everything about that planet was just awesome. And of course, like we'd already said, it has the coolest, has my favorite side character, nothing against Seer or anyone else. Um, but I love Marin. I think Marin's really interesting and uh, it has my favorite boss fight with Terran. Um, but, uh, but yeah, before our last two questions though, because I, I just said something I said, has my favorite side character which is true because Marin is a side character but my favorite main character because Cal Kestis is not the main character of this game is he Al he is not he is not Al who is the main character of this game who's the most important character to come out of this game well um you see Jacob Cal Kestis is really just a very active companion character mm. to the true co- to the true protagonist of Jedi Fallen Order, which is sure. the 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 um, the steroid droid himself. <laughs> this is what I'm calling him uh, because of the stims he gives you. The steroid droid himself, BD1, mm-hmm. who is just oh god damn, like dude. There's a lot of very very adorable droids. Um, in Star Wars, I think BD1 might be my favorite. BD1's up there. He really is. Just everything about him is awesome. I love his little excited dance. Um, I love his little, you know, his little head tilts. Um, here's the thing. Every time that he asks, like, uh, like the, the uh, how does the, uh, what, is, what does the caption, the subtitle say? I think it's Foodie Twill. Every time he says that and he wants you to scan something, I'm like, oh, BD1, of course I'm going to scan it just for you, buddy. <laughs> you know, just, oh, he's so great. I Everything about BD1 is great. Um, yeah. And and help, he saved your life from Trilla. We, it, we can't leave that out. That's the thing. Like, dude, he, he saves your life from Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in ter- in terms of people who have gotten hits on Darth Vader that we've seen, it goes like it goes it goes Luke Skywalker, Obi Wan Kenobi, and BD One. <laughs> oh, it's incredible. Yeah, right there, man. <laughs> I'm glad. I am glad that he is like the line they drew in the sand as far as like how crappy Cal is, um, because if if Cal had treated ED one uh, the same way that he treats anybody else on that ship, then people would have stopped playing that game. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, no. Um, even to the point like on Ilum, when you find out like, and another reason BD one's great, you find out that him having his memory erased is how the entire game takes off. 
Like everything about the Eno Cordova, Cordova's journey to the Holocron happens because of BD One, and because of, and because he makes a sacrifice for everybody else. He he really he really is just one of the best characters. I, I love him so much, and I when it comes right down to it, I'm I'm I, I'm not really excited for Jedi Fallen Survivor. I'm falling for BD One Fallen Survivor when it comes right down to it. Absolutely, um, you know. But uh, but yeah, he's he's just he's just the best. Um, but anyways, moving moving on to our final two questions. Of course, we we always ask these these two questions. Um, it's always part part of what we do here with the EU or EU review. Uh, and before that, if you have hung out for the last two hours and listened to this entire thing, thank you all so very much. And once again, if you adore this game, if you genuinely love every aspect of this game. Please do not let us take that from you. We simply have issues with it. And if you want to, once again, comment or message us and explain why or why you think we're wrong or why a counterpoint to, you know, anything that we have said against the story, please, we absolutely invite you to do that. Um, we, we want to we want to know that because, I mean, as the motto always says, fandom is for everyone. And it's not uh, certain aspects of fandom are not for everyone. But fandom itself is for everyone. <laughs> so, you know. But moving on. Al, what was your hypest moment for this game? Hypest moment, man. It's... <laughs> I'll give you a story one, and I'll give you a gameplay one. I think that's okay. a good way to do this for this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, the hypest for me, um, as far as the story goes, um, straight up, is... Ed one jumping on to Darth to Darth Vader's helmet and shocking him so that <laughs> Cal can escape. That's like the man. That's just the coolest. That's sure. <laughs> that's so great. I I'd, I'd forgotten that that happens in this game. So when it happened again the second time, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's why you're the best character in this game, Ed one. <laughs> That's why it's not even a competition. Um, <laughs> it's insane. But um, and then I will give um, the hypest moment as far as the gameplay goes. I talked about it a little bit before, but um, on Ilum, after you uh, repair your lightsaber and get like the ability to split it in two, um, the game is just kind of like okay, have fun, and just kind of sends like waves and waves and waves of stormtroopers at you. That like you just kind of like have to carve your way through. Um, that that in so many ways I think is the best part of the game because it gives you full and total control over your character. It tasks you with applying all of the skills you used as well as giving you an environment to really test out the new skill that you have. And like it was just super super fun. Um, I am the kind of person when it comes to video games and like I've talked about it some on other podcasts we've done. Um, and when it comes to games, I, I, I give a lot more weight to on the gameplay of a game as opposed to the weight I give on the story. If a story is really good in a game, then, like, I'm super invested in it. I'm, like, I'm all about it. I appreciate it. I think it's great. But 
I will take some pretty crappy stories in games if it means that like I'm still able to really enjoy some really really good gameplay. Mm. Um, so like that sequence in this game was when I was just kind of like, okay, this sequence makes like all of the eye rolling I've done about the story up to this point. <laughs> um, it makes all of that worth it uh, because this this finally feels like what this game should have been all along which is just here are waves and waves of enemies use like all the skills and powers you have to survive and and like endure this onslaught of like stormtroopers who are trying to kill you um and so like when i got through that part i kind of wanted to like restart my playstation and just do that part again yeah um it was so much fun so i'll give it to that one okay good pick um for me i'm going to go with the <clears throat> the flight of the Shio bird um Ooh, from the yeah. from the second time you go to kashik um so it says so. I looked it up, and it says the Shio Bird is its first appearance is in Jedi Fallen Order. I'm convinced there was like an unnamed thing that they had talked about somewhere in like like non-canon lore or something. Because I could have sworn there was like a big bird on Kashyyyk, basically, <laughs> um, that someone that someone had mentioned. Um, and he will teach you the alphabet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, um i um i don't know man just everything about that that concept was just really cool seeing this gigantic like dragon-esque bird pretty much um that then flies you over the entirety kashik and you see just this gorgeous landscape um which by the way um i do want to clarify that no matter our complaints about the story of this game or anything about that, the visuals are stunning. It looks and sounds incredible. Um, and all the performances of the actors are actually really good. Um, even if we don't like the way certain characters go, like even, even Cameron Monaghan does a really good job as Cal Kestis. It's not his fault that the character itself is, uh, you know, leaves a lot to be desired. But every everything about from a design standpoint of this game is is near perfection um with the exception of like you know like there there's still some glitchy moments i'm not gonna deny that that still happens um but that's i think that involves more with like crunch and it being rushed out a little bit too soon um but from an artistic standpoint it is a stunning game um and that's why the shio bird is one of my favorite moments because you climb the the origin tree which i looked that up that's what it's actually called um and then just that moment where you get to fly over the entire landscape of Kashyyyk and you get to see kind of how far these rolling hills of just these trees go and everything. That's just a really cool moment um, and leads right into this really interesting um, – leads right into this, you know, really interesting um, – moment of course that that then culminates in the fight scene with the ninth sister um but uh, but yeah no that's just that's just one of my favorites but but anyways all right so last question <clears throat> uh is this part of your grand canon al 
man, who cares? Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, that's the thing, right? That's the ultimate thing that it comes down to as far as the story of this game goes, right? Because um, this game could have, like, the best combat I've ever seen. Um, it does not, but, like, it could have, like, <laughs> it could be the most fun I've ever had with a game. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to the canon that we talk about, it's a matter of, hey, is this worth a spot in the grand timeline of events that happened in Star Wars? And, like, it's not. Like, this... The events of this game could have completely not happened. Yeah. And I don't think the timeline would be any the worse for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I don't think it'd be any better for it either. But, like, that's the thing, is that it doesn't have any effect. Mm. Um, and now I do, like, reserve my right to, like, kind of come back to this question after these equal game comes out because who knows this equal game could be could have a story that's beautifully done that has real significant changes and effects on the lore and on the timeline and i could be blown away by it and just be like okay fine yeah um i extension all in order will have to be like in my grand canon uh because it it like presumably sets up things that happen here but as it stands right now with that game not out yet and me having no way to to know how good that story is going to be um i'm gonna actually say no yeah i um i i agree with you um for me See, for me, this is one of the reasons that, we, in my opinion, we need to move away from the Dark Times uh, timeline. I think, I think Andor Season 2 could be the last time that we really do anything with that timeline unless we get a Quinlan Vosh show. That's the only, other, that's the only oh, of uh, addendum, of course. Um, but, <laughs> of course. But for me, that's, the, that's one of the reasons that, that that timeline doesn't work so much anymore is I know... I know that this character is going to go is going to either a right off into the distance and never actually actually be seen again, or b because they're nowhere in the original trilogy. They're nowhere nowhere. So unless they, I know it's a big galaxy. I know they can go off and do other things. But I mean, for a Jedi trying to start up the Jedi Order again or trying to save the Jedi Order, wouldn't you want to seek out Luke Skywalker at one point? And I'm not saying that couldn't happen between yeah. films, but like at that point, then we have to either do another deep fake, you know, or we have to do this, or we have to do this weird thing where we do right around it. And mm-hmm. so, for so for me, I'm I'm with you. To me, it's not. It doesn't really matter whether it's part of the grand canon or my grand canon or not, unless they do something really interesting in this in this. or not it's basically an elseworld story when it comes right down to it uh, 
important to it story-wise is stuff that we already knew happened, and it's dealing with the fallout from those things happening, which is interesting. Marion is the last night sister. That's a really interesting concept. But unless something goes forward with like her character arc, which she already is confirmed for the second game, so that's good. But unless something goes forward with her character arc, then really nothing that happens really matters as much to me. For for better or worse, like like you like you said. So, so yeah. So yeah, it's one of those things where like. I hope, <laughs> I hope in this upcoming game, um, I hope, th- <laughs> I hope that cow dies. And I'm not saying that just because I hate wow. it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I hope that cow dies because one, it would be very surprising. <laughs> It'd be a very bold move to make as far as storytelling goes. But also, uh, when you take his journey in this game, where he is surrounded by people who have saved his life and have sacrificed for him. Um, I think one of the few ways you could really save his character and and make him at all interesting is that the end of his story is him finally returning the favor and trying to um, sacrificing himself to save others in that way. Um, and it takes care of a pretty, like, a pretty big issue in that, um, you know, they're, as far as I know, the last of the Jedi, they're trying to to restore the Jedi Order. At this point in the timeline, I'm pretty sure there should have been reports that probably reached them of sightings of both... Um, Hayden and Jarrus and Ezra and possibly Ahsoka. So if Cal dies in the next one, at least they don't have to go through the whole rigmarole of being like, well, they were really invested in restoring the Jedi Order. Um, not so much to like go investigate these <laughs> actual sightings of Jedi, but like um, and said they got caught up in this other thing and Cal at his end. And I think that could be a really interesting way to go about things for like a few different reasons. But uh, but who knows? We'll see. As I said, we could be surprised and the upcoming game is just like one of the most beautiful stories I've ever encountered. Um, I hope that's true. I hope it is. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I think, so supposedly next year is when we're getting the game. Uh, and supposedly at the Game Awards on December, new trailer and or update on release date. Supposedly. That's the current rumor. Okay. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. We've got a, about two and a half weeks and we'll see kind of what is the future for Jedi Fallen Order. But, uh, but just because we don't know the future of the Jedi Fallen Order does not mean that we do not know the future of the EU or EU review. Ooh. Because, ladies and gentlemen, next month we have got a fantastic year one finale for you. Um, not only are we featuring another great correspondent, uh, the fan correspondence, and 
Al's wife, Alyssa, who will yeah. be joining us for a very special episode. But the reason he's joining us is because we were talking about one of her favorite pieces of Star Wars lore. He says in general, like even like right up there with the movies themselves. And that is we are starting the Thrawn trilogy, the original, with with Heir to the Empire by Timothy Zahn. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a book that I've never actually read, which is so weird because it is such a big part of the Star Wars lore. And somehow I have never actually read it myself as big of a Star Wars fan as I am. Um, I have started it. I'm about 50, uh, about 50 pages in, so not too far in, but I do like it so far. Um, and I'm really excited to continue on, and we can't wait to talk about it with you all next month uh, as our big EU review finale for 2022. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, thank you all so very much for hanging out with us, not just on this episode, but just in general. Just hanging out on Phantom Talk and listening to all the stuff, all of us just ramble about the different things we love and or don't love, um, as is evidenced by most of this episode, honestly. <laughs> um, but you guys are the best. Hope you all remember that. And I hope you all remember, most importantly, that Phantom is for everyone. You all have a wonderful evening, and we will see you all next month. <laughs>